Hey y'all, this is Vidiotic. My name is Joe. My name is Sean. And today, we're still recording. What do you know? There's a mic there. And I got today nothing really. We're recording a podcast. <laughs> in I case know. you didn't know. I just I, I literally woke up and there's a mic right there. Headphones are on me. I'm like, what the that's just something and, and the, basically that was only five minutes ago, so trust me, it's very disorienting. Yeah, I woke up in a podcasting studio, and it looks suspiciously like my room. I know. I was like, hey, I have that poster. That... Wait a second. Wait a minute. What's that? Uh, what's a clip from Family Guy with Brian? Like, the, oh, well, thanks. I'm just happy to be here. Wait a minute. <laughs> anyway, how you doing, Sean? Oh, I'm doing good. Very tired, but filled with coffee, so I'm, I'm evening out. Very nice, very nice. As is proper. They say pick your poison. It's like I'll take mine double, please. Yeah, maybe this time with some sugar. Sometimes with cream, but you know. I don't like a lot of creamer. To each his own, you know. Sometimes it actually varies on your mood. You know, sometimes you're like, sometimes I wanna, I want like a, um, a coffee with some cream and sugar. Sometimes you're like, nah, just give me the black coffee and I'll put a little sugar or honey in it or something. Yeah, I, I will say like I do enjoy just like a straight black coffee. Um, but then other times I also have a sweet tooth. So I will load it up sometimes. But at that point, I don't really feel like I'm drinking a coffee. It's more like like if you're ordering like a coffee milkshake or like coffee flavored ice cream, you're not drinking coffee. You're having ice cream. Mm -hmm. So when I drink coffee, I like black coffee, but I do also load it up sometimes. But I don't get yeah. that coffee. Yeah, it depends. I used to find that um raw sugar is really good because you don't need a lot of it to get yeah. just enough of a flavor profile. I mean, that process stuff, you know, sorry, but you just, if it's, if it becomes a, oh, what was a comedian quoted at the time? It's like Aunt Jemima on a spoon <laughs> consistency. It's like, that's way too much sugar. It's yeah. like what he was joking about sweet tea because of how much sugar goes into that. But yeah, it's like, no, nah. I'm more of a honey guy myself, honestly. A little bit of honey yeah, and some coffee because it doesn't take much of that and you stir that in like one spoon. And just, you're good. You're golden. Well, and it smooths it out a little bit. Like, having honey in it is not just the same as having sugar in it. It it does something different to it. It hit different. It hit different. I actually learned that from uh, a book series I read um, called Ranger's Apprentice. Great book series. And Fantastic one of the main series. characters. Yeah. And one of the main characters put a spoonful of honey in their coffee. And that's where I got it from. And then I learned to love it. Yeah, you know, speaking of that, that would be a great series for someone to look at for like a TV show or something. Just they saying. said they were going to a long time ago. I don't doubt it. I'm Googling this. I remember when I first read it, that was a series that actually was fantastic. I think I was technically a little out of the age group they wanted, but it was still a great story. Mm -hmm. And I read it up to like maybe six or seven of them, but there's like a lot in that series. It's on IMDb. Hmm. I <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing there, but it's up there. Interesting. Might be in development hell. Yeah. No, it's. I heard about that like a long time ago. And uh, yeah. I, I think it's one of those where it's like it's sitting on the shelf. Where it's like, oh, they're technically yeah. making it, but. It, it might be that somebody has the rights to it and they're just holding on to it, like you said. But they've mm. already maybe negotiated and, and paid something to hold on to it right now. I so guess... it's like, you know, if we buy it now or if we hold the rights for so many years, even if we don't make it, no one else could make it, you know? 
Because we might make see, it, but we can't tell you why. I could see Tom Holland taking that main role as Will. Hmm. And then you have like maybe Russell Crowe. He for the could. It's like he could, but uh, I think wasn't Will a bit younger? Yeah. Because I, mean, I think, to be fair, Tom Holland's playing like a teenager still, and he's in his 20s for like Marvel, but, and like he's shown that he can still kind of convincingly do it because he has a very, he, he looks much younger than he is. Yeah. And he can pull it off. But I'm like, I think you could possibly give it to someone a bit younger still. That's true. A, a Tom Holland esque character. Tom Holland esque, yes. Well, because my memory of the character is actually at his older stages because, mm-hmm. you know, time progresses in the book but yeah you're right no you, you've got a point though yeah because there is progression of following them through as they age up because they start when they were like what 14 15 i think is when they, they were, were inducted into their like apprenticeships yeah and then it starts from there and it ages them up because i remember reading up to like maybe like i said i think it was like five or six possibly book seven and by that point they were like young adults under twenty, but they were they were getting to like sixteen to eighteen range, and they were much like much more mature and dealing with more like serious missions and things like that. But yeah, it's a great series for anyone out there. If you have a young reader or you yourself don't mind reading like what's classified as young adult fiction, the Rangers Apprentice series was a great one. Still is, mm-hmm. and honestly, it's it's worth your time. It's it's kind of big now with how many volumes are in it. But it's definitely a great series, and I hope you could see if you guys, anyone out there knows about it, then you would understand, hopefully, how it could be adapted well, and or at least something interesting could be done of it. Because it's a great series. There's a, um, I can't remember the name of it, but there's a sister series, too. It's about, um, I don't remember what it's called. It's about one of the other countries. <laughs> there you go. There's all. That's all the information you're getting out of me. I read that one too, though. It was good. <laughs> we were readers growing up. Let me tell y'all. In all honesty, a side note, we were definitely readers. Mm-hmm. We had a TV, but that was our only movie watching because we never had like I never had cable really until I was like twelve or thirteen. We had a house that had cable connection. It was mostly used for hey, we have a VHS, we have DVDs when they came out, you know. If you want to watch a movie or TV, then that's what you get. Yeah, we we didn't have TV. We had a TV. (laughs) We had a TV. We had a cathode ray TV. And in my late teens, I acquired a GameCube. The Holy Grail. I got to be honest with you folks. Something really funny about Sean here on that note. He's the one that went from straight from a GameCube for years. And then he played it for years. And we, you know, there's many good memories of us hanging out us and our group of friends at his place playing uh, Smash Bros and all that Melee, mm-hmm. which is still one of my favorites, you know. Just it's still, it. it's, it's one of the best. It is one of the best ones, and the GameCube controller is like the standard way to play it. I cannot play it on anything else. Mm-hmm. And, you know, a lot of other fun games of that era. My man went straight from a GameCube to an Xbox 360 <laughs> and <laughs> that, Skyrim. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, that just, uh, he's just like, Wow. It looks so real. Mind you, the Xbox One was already out. Yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> but... this was in, like, when the Xbox One was out and, like, the PS4 and all that. But he, my man's got an mm-hmm. Xbox 360 in Skyrim, and he's just like, I can go over there? Oh, look at that mountain range. You mean I can walk over there? You mean I can walk up the mountain? Yeah, the idea that you could, like, <laughs> walk around in a game was brand new concept 
and it's like the characters looked so realistic too. Those are cool memories when you look at like open world games and stuff. Mm. No, it's also good memories. Watching good movies. That's a good point. They stick. We should in your mind. we should probably talk about some movies. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, maybe I don't know. We're talking we're talking about video games and books and coffee, everything yeah. except <laughs> movies. I mean, it's a great progression, right? It makes sense to me. That that they're all in the similar vein. It, yeah. It's. You wake up, you start your day with some coffee. Mm-hmm. You might yep. read a book or something for those mm-hmm. who read a little early. So sometimes in the early hours when you're like off or something, that's the day of times when you can be like, I'll resume what up is reading. Something yep. like that. Kind of make with with a cup of coffee, right? People read the newspaper. I don't know if they do that anymore, but you know, somewhere out there. It's an antiquated thing in my mind, you know. Read something with a coffee, progress through the day. Then you uh you you might play some games, something in the day when it's up or whatever, and then you might do some movie watching at night. Maybe vice versa. It's all together. It still counts. Yeah. What is our topic for today? I thought you knew. No. I did not. I have oh, no idea. I told you I just woke up. You didn't read the 50 emails I sent in the space of five minutes? <laughs> I can't read. Oh, that's right. That's why I watch movies. Oh, yeah. Well, in terms of sequels, usually they're not that good. I think we had sp- expressed that before. Usually they're just they're just weaker or, you know, don't consider or um, continue what was strong in the original or take into account a lot of things. They, they try to go either too serious or too silly is the majority of sequels. I would argue that they are lose what makes it good and take what makes it and try to capitalize on something else. That's like, yeah, shouldn't have focused on that part. They're often not as good as the original. Mm -hmm. Few exceptions over the years, but it's for the most part, it's kind of like a well-known, not really a rule, but just a fact in a way, like a fact of life even. It's yep. like most sequels, they're just weaker than the original, and they usually are worse films. An exception to that, and we mentioned this last time, of ones we had watched over our hiatus and our break, was Puss in Boots, The Last Wish. Mm-hmm. Now, I know this is technically a third movie with Puss in Boots, right? Or Because I know he had his own standalone spin-off before which i still haven't i've yet to see that i know you said you saw it you said it was actually pretty fun right yeah so when i compared those two movies puss in boots and puss in boots the last wish when i remember the first one i think oh yeah that was it was a fun film uh i remember laughing a bit i enjoyed it i walked out and it was fun when i remember this movie puss in boots the last wish i'm like the words that come to mind are deep incredible animation the story is spectacular plot character development that's what i remember about this one the first movie great good movie fun this one i love yeah by all accounts it was another sequel and even by the first trailer we're kind of like okay the first trailer kind of hinted at this is going to be more dynamic. They were like, like we said, I think we can kind of separate a few factors here to talk about because this is going to be a review type episode. Our reviews follow a format of we talk about the film and try to isolate, you know, characters, people, the actors, actresses, story. For films like this, we could talk about animation, things like that. And we split it into spoiler free and then spoilers. Just letting everyone out there know that's how we do it. This is the spoiler-free section where we talk about our thoughts, interviews on the film. So, with that clarified, the first trailers when this dropped, 
couple months ago, right? We were seeing it and we talked about one thing that we really loved about it, you and me, was the animation. I do adore this animation. It's it's great. I love the fact that they really went all in with the creatively inventive kind of watercolor-esque style. It's kind of like looks like paint in many ways. There's like you can almost see brush marks on different things, characters and elements of it. And it's still like, you know, DreamWorks CG animation, but it still works and it still fits. Mm. And they were really taking a, a cue from Into the Spider-Verse and like how they did certain scenes and moments. Not exactly like taking, but definitely inspired by. And then, like you said, when we finally get the film released, all the reviews are talking about how this is like this is not necessarily like a kid's film. It still is because it doesn't go insanely deep, but they like they went really deep with the emotional aspects and the like actual serious questions and weighing on you and weighing on our character here, you know, and it's like, wow. Mm -hmm. Well, and it's a good point you just kind of brought up because the thing that got me to go see this movie was not the trailer. Like I watched the trailer and thought, oh yeah, it's another Puss in Boots movie. Looks good. I don't know that I'm going to go see it. And then people kept saying, go see this movie. This is a great movie. Like all the reviews were universally. This is a great movie. And it, it came out at the same time as avatar, the way of water. And people were still going to see puss in boots. So I was like, Oh dang, I got to go see this. And I was not disappointed. Yeah. I'm in exactly the same boat as you, because I was like, Oh, it's another like Puss in Boots movie. Looks interesting. Sounds fun. Animation looks great. I mean, I'll eventually see it because of I'm a fan of animation anyway. And I'm like, I love anything animated. I'll usually watch an animated film sometime in its release cycle. But yeah, the thing that got me was all the reviews giving it like saying this is way better than it had any right to be. This is a lot deeper than it actually like, you know, than surface level looks. And it goes like a lot more so with its character development, its story. And I was like, okay, interesting. Why this particular film? And it just, then you, that's what drew me to rent it and watch it on demand. And then I was like, okay, wow, that was a particularly deep film. Very impressive. Especially like, I think I had mentioned it in our last episode here was when we talked about what we watched. And I said, DreamWorks is typically known for, you know, kind of like the meme worthy films. A little bit more crass, a little more crude, kind of like more, laugh at what's there and stuff anything anytime they actually care about a film or something it's really impressive and i'm not saying they never cared about a film but there are certain ones that lack the charm and even you know are are kind of soulless to some of them <clears throat> this is one of those ones where again when they kind of focused and doubled down and probably had to guessing like the director and such probably had a good idea of what to do thinking like hey let's focus on this part and take a look at this thing here and and just focus on that and it really just kind of showed, like, whoa, there's a lot of attention here to this. Animation is great. Sean mentioned we love the animation of it. It was, it was it was really engaging, really caught your eye. And that was one of the things that could reel people in with it. But I'll say, like, the characters, they're all really good. And some are not as good, in my opinion. This is still the spoiler-free section, so I won't say a lot. I'll just say some are weaker. Puss in Boots, main focus, great, because it's a very emotional story that it focuses on for him. 
his side characters, they're great because he's still got connections with them and it's even explored what the connections are, how they are like in deeper, better detail. Mm-hmm. And then you've got uh, you know, the people and the other anthropomorphic yeah. animals <laughs> characters. Characters chasing them. And they're all chasing a singular purpose. So I guess it's pretty well explored in the trailers. So I guess we can say that there's like the whole point is everyone's seeking the fallen star for a wish mm-hmm. for their own reasons. And it's interesting what they are. Not all like bad characters. Some of them are just weaker than others. I would argue that the main villain figure is a Jack Horner. If I had to critique anything heavily, because it's like he's there. That's kind of what he is. Yeah, I I will say without going into it too much, it seems like, well, first of all, the biggest, the one of the best things about this movie are the character designs, and also the lowest, <laughs> one of the like weakest things in this movie, which are not a lot, and I, it's still awesome. But one of the weakest things is one of the character designs. For me personally, maybe other people like it, but artistically in my mind, I just didn't like one of the characters. Unre- on an unrelated note, Jack Horner. Um, <laughs> yeah, he was kind of the main villain, and he seemed kind of intentionally two-dimensional, so to speak. Like you said, he wasn't like a really fully fleshed-out character. When I thought about it more, it, I think it was kind of intentional because there were a lot of different competing storylines in this movie and i think they pulled them all together well i don't think that's a bad thing i wonder if they had really tried to put more into him if it would have just crowded the movie too much it's possible i think that maybe they were forced to have more of a villain figure maybe they didn't in original drafts you know Mm -hmm. maybe uh higher ups at dreamworks were like no no you gotta have a like, come on, we got to have somebody we can look at. Come on, like, you know, someone's got to be the main antagonist and be like, well, what if it's just a thing? Like, fine, we can make uh, somebody a little more, you know, we'll give them a little more development, I guess. It, it was like... an interesting choice for a villain, right? Because it's like you have the entire plethora of fairy tale characters or personas, right? And yeah. Jack Corner, the guy in the poem that stuck his thumb in the pie to get, what, a blueberry? A plum. A plum. Or stuck in his thumb and pulled out a plum. Interesting choice for a villain, but yeah, especially <laughs> considering that they had already taken from a lot for the Shrek series in general too. Mm-hmm. To be fair, they they did a similar thing before with uh, the first Puss in Boots movie. I think that one had Humpty Dumpty, if I remember correctly, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. which I I would argue they did that pretty successfully. I need to watch that film still. I know. Yeah, you need to find it somewhere. I won't give any uh, spoilers there. Kind of already did. <laughs> so well, it's okay. No more. Well. I will say, yeah, like, so choosing from the plethora of, like, fairy tale characters that they haven't taken from, Jack Corner's an interesting one. And, I mean, you know, credit to performances. John Mulaney, he's mm. funny. He's love, definitely love got, like, voice. sometimes he delivers things off the cuff or just, like, so blasé that that's what makes it funny. Because it's, like, not so much what he said, it's how he said it. Or it's, like, a serious thing. It'll be, like, you know, like, I'm sorry, just doing something here, whatever. Let's just do that. But yeah, he has like, that okay. voice where, like, he's he's been cast in a few animation things lately, and he's one of those castings where you can't really hide behind the animation. Like, if he's in the movie, people are going to know it's him. Mm-hmm. And so <laughs> he does, you know, I'm not saying he's not voice acting, but he's doing John Mulaney's voice. 
It's right. kind of like he does have a perfect voice for just doing himself. So it's like yeah. if you have him, he doesn't really have to do much else because you, you already have it set that you want him to do it. And I'm so, sure he like modifies it a bit. I mean, you know, anything with voice acting, they never do the first take. Yeah. And yeah, they'll yeah. do it like, you know, now say it like uh, slightly irritated. Okay, now say it like you don't care. Okay, now say it like you're really angry, you know? The same line will be delivered multiple times until they find the mood that fits right for that. So, you know, in the booth, it's going to take a long time to do something. But, like, he's not the weakest part about it. The character is more weak than John Mulaney's performance. I'll oh, say, yeah, just, no. Just specify to people. He's, he's funny. He was great. Yeah, he, he was hilarious. Most of the things I did laugh at were his, like, his moments. That's I true. Think some of them are in the trailers, and I can I know there's one in particular that was a trailer that did get me. So part of his thing is that he collects magic items, I believe. And I believe that is expressed, too, in the trailer, so I'm not giving away a lot. But there's the one scene they're being pursued. And, like, he goes, like, and what if I, like, had this? Like, and I have Excalib... Excal... Excal... And he pulls it out, and it's still got the sword, like, the stone on it. Oh. <laughs> that got me. I was like, okay, that's funny, because, like, he goes, like, hey, hey, Excalibur. Yeah, I couldn't get this rock off of it, but, I mean, hey, you know, I took it anyway. <laughs> So he's like, he took the sword in the stone without taking it out of the stone because he's not worthy. So he takes the rock with it. He took the sword and the stone. I give credit. I'm like, that's funny. Mm -hmm. Credit to your writers. That's funny. That did get me in the trailer. I was like, that's funny. Okay, I'll give you that. So like moments like that, again, with John Mulaney was funny because he's really delivering it well and, and doing it, giving it the right amount of cheese and ham, you yeah. know, sometimes in his performance. Mm-hmm. And speaking like, of the uh, of the voice acting, I mean, Antonio Banderas. I will watch basically anything with Antonio Banderas in it because, A, I do like him as an actor as well. Mm-hmm. He is good. He is dependable. Uh, he does not take himself too seriously, like in basically anything. He's played in many different roles. I saw him in a, a low-budget action flick one time, and he actually was really good in it still. I'm still a little sore about it, though, because it was... um. Basically, he played a man who was wronged. I think he was like an attorney. He did something incorrect or like someone disagreed with the thing, killed his family. So he took a vow of silence until he basically oh yeah yeah yeah, 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 t- yeah. did restitution for it. And I'm like, he did a good job. I love Antonio. But whoever wrote this film, like whoever like cast him in it, you picked the guy with the suavest, sexiest voice ever <laughs> and had him quiet for the majority of this movie. How dare you? <laughs> Why would you get rid of Deadpool's mouth? I know. Same question, right? Because mm-hmm. I'm like, I really hold that opinion. I'm like, Antonio Banderas, man, just such a good voice. Mm-hmm. He has a really good time with this character. So even from like the Shrek 2, you can tell he really enjoyed it to be still connected to it. But also considering it one of his like, you know, on his resume of being like, oh, yeah, you know, one of my main things, I'm some boots. I think that was actually... I may be way off here, but that I think that was one of his more breakout roles, at least like with American Hollywood. Like he was, he was obviously Zorro, and um, Desperado. Well, like, he had been called? in Hollywood for a while. He was um, right. Zorro in those like films. He was in a uh, Broadway and stuff too. I don't know if in American Broadway, but like Broadway in like uh, Spain and and around the world, because he's he's a great singer too. If no one knows his singing voice, I did not know that. Uh, he is a he is an actor like trained stage actor because hmm. he can actually dance too. 
like I saw him perform on like Conan one time when he was teaching Conan about being in like I think he was back in Spain or something doing a a show mm-hmm. on on their Broadway and he like did like some flamenco moves or something and I was watching and I went you know how some people just like their body seems to move because they know the move so well and you're just like they're not even focusing on it he was talking to Conan while moving like and I was like wow he's good so I will say that if you've never heard him sing look up like I mean you heard him in this movie. He sings in this movie, but that is him. But he also can sing like really well. He has been on American Broadway now more so. He had been in other films, I know. A couple of like kind of cheesy flicks. I think Robert Rodriguez gave him a couple roles for like um some of his mid budget things in the nineties. I was like you said, I think it was Desperado. Mm-hmm. Well, it, it was a much broader audience for him because he, he was very much like a action star like mm-hmm. and uh, definitely like more of like a well, some romance um they, they might have known too. him more for action in hollywood i would say yeah to be fair too he might have been more also in in other shows overseas and movies yes, and he stuff was. so uh yeah but i'm like he is so suave and cool and yeah he played this role really well because even in the more emotional moments you know he shows more of his acting range mm-hmm. so i think he had fun with this film again really enjoyable to see him do a lot more than just the previous renditions of the character, I guess you can say. It's the same character, but, you know. The Shrek films are a little more comical. They didn't really get too serious. And if they did, it was more so focusing on Shrek. But yeah, great performance there. You know, playing off of him really well, uh, Salma Hayek. Kitty soft, boss. She's hilarious. Like, yeah. If no one's seen her in other interviews as well, like uh, Hot Ones. She did that viral show Hot Ones with Sean Evans. And she made it through all the hot wings, too. I'll say that. But she's hilarious. Like, she's just making jokes. And, like, her her natural wit is so good. So I think mm-hmm. her playing the character is not necessarily 100% what's written. I think she's really good at just playing all these other things and adding funny moments and stuff. And she plays really well off of uh, Antonio Banderas. You can totally believe that they're, like, they're amicable, but not at the same time. They both have those really strong personalities. Like, outside of those characters, like, both of those actors have really, like, dynamic personalities. And you can really tell, like, they're playing off each other in the studio. Also, another one of my favorite actors these days, Florence Pugh. Mm Mm-hmm. Definitely. I was going to point that out, too. I only first saw her, or at least first really recognized her in Black Widow, where she was phenomenal. And then, like, and then since then, it's like I've been seeing her here, 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 here. Her, she plays Goldilocks. Yeah, really fun too because it's just like the whole Cockney kind of yeah. <laughs> loose British, you know. Mm-hmm. Puss in boots, you're supposed to be dead, and you're supposed to be on some spiritual retreat. Namaste. <laughs> Namaste. Yeah, that's right. It was funny because she, she, I think she had fun with it too. I think this would be like, would this be like her first voice acting role? Like I, I don't remember seeing her do any of the voice it. stuff. I never heard her do any voice stuff before. I, I could be wrong. I, will I don't say. know of anything, but it's possible. Like you said, I knew her from other films. I know she was in Black Widow. Uh, before that, actually, I remember she was in a... Was it before or after? I can't remember. She really took a big... Like, The World by Storm in Midsommar. Mm-hmm. That was the one that she was, like, the lead in, and people said she was really good in that film. Concerning her part in this movie, though, yeah, she did a good job. Really, uh, really fun and the dynamic she has with the uh, three bears. Like, I like the fact that they basically are trying to be like, they are the, 
they are like hunters as well going after this mm-hmm. and like i said they're one of the cast of characters here that we had mentioned before where everyone's pursuing the star for a reason and i do want to say another shout out is um the bears with her papa and mama specifically papa is voiced by ray winston who i love He's great because he's one of those guys, again, that talks like more normal and he doesn't really have to change his voice because like, yeah, you hear it, you know it. (laughs) But he's really fun because like he really just leans into it because like, I mean, from the first moment, the trailer shows it, too, when they go into the house with the cats and he's just like, excuse me, my darling, but would you help us with this, please? And then Mama Bears Olivia Coleman. Yeah, what I loved about these such big names for this movie, I think all of the characters in this movie, but. The Three Bears and uh, Goldilocks are a pretty good um, example. But, like, all of the characters were kind of, like, boiled down to the most archetypal-type roles. And it really, like, because there is a bit of a complicated story, but it's it feels very streamlined. Because you, you have, like, the Goldilocks fairy tale in general. It's like, this one's just right. This one's too big. This one's mm-hmm. too small. And they're very, how do you say it, like motif-oriented uh, characters. And you really see that played out in this movie. Like even the shooting star, right? It's a shooting star, and you know, in the real world, we think like, oh, a meteorite. But in this fairy tale world, like the shooting star, it's literally in a cutout shape of a star. Yeah, it's literally a five-point <laughs> star. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I loved – and once I saw that, like right at the beginning of the movie, I'm like, oh, okay. This is what it's going to be like. It's, like. it's like a metaphor, but it's also just physically represented as a star. And the characters kind of follow that. And it serves the story. Yeah, it definitely does. And like you said, we're it's more of a fairy tale world because it is the it's technically the Shrek universe. Mm-hmm. Like as we consider it. So all those factors into it. Yeah, it's it's great because it is it's fun, it's imaginative, and it really is interesting how they pull it all together. One thing I will say, just to compliment characters again, I've only got two more we'll say there is uh I've never seen this man in a lot, but Harvey Guillen Guillen is Parito. He was oh. funny. <laughs> Like, I've never really seen that name personally, so I don't know if I've just missed a lot of stuff he's been in, but he was really funny. Like, from the trailers and everything, that got me, too, is, like, a, a few chuckles, you know, like, are you puss in boots? Like, oh, there's so much I talk to you there. Lovely English. And, like, oh, no, you're so tired. You're like, oh, Espanol? Estoy también. Like, you know, they're like... <laughs> I don't speak English. I forgot about that. <laughs> that was kind of funny. <laughs> just like, uh, oh, you're so también. A- you know. Apparently, he's in the... um. What we do in the shadows show. You know what? I was gonna say he looks. His face looks like he's part of that cast, and I, you know what? That makes sense now. I guess he's probably well versed in comedy then, in comedic roles. If he's in in that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's definitely what I was shows thinking. he probably you know because you know the showrunners cast him for a reason. He was very funny and good as Perito. I will say very, very uh, funny. Kind of like def- the, the dumb. Definitely, the mm-hmm. like you were saying, the archetype of like cookie cutter shape of what you would think a stereotype of a dog is. Mm-hmm. They did that for him because he's just so low. Like the whole like he's just sitting there staring like stupidly, you know. He definitely had a few standout moments in this movie. Like he's a great character throughout, but there was like two or three moments where, you know, he's either making you laugh or like feel things. 
Yeah, mm-hmm. he's great. Great character. I'll, I'd like to point out one of those scenes in the spoiler section, though, so I'll save that. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think you're thinking of the same one, so, but yeah. Great job with this guy. Did we mention and, uh, Olivia Coleman? We did. Okay. I did mention Olivia Coleman. I didn't which... know it was her when I watched it, but then <laughs> when I looked at it on IMBD, I'm like, oh, of course that's her. Yeah, then you're like, of course it is. Mm. It had to be. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, she and the Bears really played well off each other, just... I don't really know the actor here, the Samson K.O. who played Baby Bear, but that family dynamic, they were all really funny. They Again, I think the whole thing is they could play well off each other. So, like, with them, those three, and Florence as well, you know, they really had a, a fun dynamic as well. The tough, like, British gangster, in a way, is what mm. they all are. They bounced off each other really well. Their moments were fun. I enjoyed it. And then I'd like to shout out, he's in the trailers as the wolf. Wagner Mura, really good I, voice. I'm guessing that's his name. Yeah, I'm. I'm sorry. I will probably pronounce things incorrectly. I won't try to on purpose, but it will happen. Yep. <laughs> but he did a good job as the voice of the wolf because I think I think I was talking to you beforehand and I said, you know, his voice kind of reminded me of Benicio del Toro in some of the way he would talk when he was in lower register, but he also had kind of a higher register. But in that, when I watched the film, I remember thinking, he does have a good, like, bad guy sounding voice. The stereotype thing you're saying, but in the good way. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I didn't know this actor either. And so when I looked him up, he apparently plays Pablo Escobar in Narcos, which I haven't Uh, seen. But it's a very popular show. Okay, so I mentioned, like, the highlights of the film. One of the highlights was some of the character design. The wolf knocks it out of the park with character design. And then you pair that with this guy's voice. It's an unbelievably like fun and heavy character. He has a good presence because there's definitely like they make a good job of this movie. Spoiler free thing here. He's mm-hmm. a he is an intrinsic focus, mm-hmm. but I will not spoil for you why, because it's a great twist. And that's part of the reason that it's it's um so well talked about now and why we are saying it's a great film to watch this design i agree with you is so good because in the first i think the trailer showed him sitting next to him in the bar yes and he's just in there like the hood on and he like takes it off and he's got like those piercing red eyes mm-hmm. over his snout and he just like has the curved blades the cloak you know everything about him is like you get the sense of from the trailers you're like this guy's bad mm-hmm. he's out to get puss for some reason You can tell he's such a potent character because when I think back afterwards, he was not in the movie very much. He was he was used pretty sparingly. But when in your memory of the movie, he's such a huge thing in it. One of my favorite characters of the past decade, for sure. Oh, definitely. One of my favorite incarnations of a certain. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like a type, I would say. It is. It is. Figure. One of my favorite incarnations of a figure. It's an interesting, like, because it's a fairy tale characterizations, right? Mm-hmm. And it's kind of interesting because you're trying to figure out what he is. And yeah, it's beautifully done, wonderfully executed. Yeah, it's fantastic. And I'd say they all, like, they fit what they needed to be for this movie, character wise, because in the overall story, like, we had, we've kind of talked about the story basically throughout here. So. It really is like deeper in the moments like so when it needs to be more comical, more funny, just to get you to feel like, oh, OK, it's not so heavy here. 
it really works when it needs to be more emotional when you they want you to feel the emotion the the drama of it the suspense and and even some like terror you feel it so basically everything about this is like you check all the boxes for this movie and it becomes something bigger and better than it has any right to be Mm -hmm. and we're just two voices here telling you all out there you definitely should see this movie if you have not already if it's been spoiled for you to be honest it was actually kind of spoiled for me before i watched it but i still watched it and i still loved it so i will tell you as someone who had it spoiled for me thanks internet uh (laughs) that i will say i still enjoyed it and i think it's still worth your time and effort to go watch this movie you can rent it off of on demand right now excuse me and it's in theaters, I believe, still. Definitely carve out some time to, to watch this movie. 100% go see this movie. I was just going to reiterate that. Like, it's phenomenal. Go see it. If you watched Frozen and you didn't watch this movie, I will find you. I will find you. And I will duct up you to a chair. And I, and I will make not, you watch this movie. And I will not let it go. <laughs> Pick it up. I was just going to comment and say that there's a reason this film, I'm looking at Rotten Tomatoes just for some numbers. Mm. Tomato meter, 95%. Audience score, 94%. You're Mm. sitting in a film that's almost like so close to 100 on both counts. It sat at 100 for a good while. Like, obviously, like as time goes on, you know, more people go and see it. But one of the headlines that was going around is that Puss in Boots was rocking 100% on Rotten Tomatoes for a good minute. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would say that's probably just a few people that probably over the hype of it. They probably went and said, this movie was kind of overhyped for me. And I'll agree, there probably was a bit more overhyped because part of the reason I watched it is because how much people talked about it and everything, right? Mm-hmm. But to me, and other many other people, it held up. And sure, I'll yeah. say it wasn't like a phenomenal 10 out of 10 masterpiece. But it's like, this is a solid like 9 out of 10 or 8.5 out of 10 for me. <laughs> if I had to quantify with objective numbers here i don't like doing that as much but yeah it's it's a great film and we're telling you you should yep. watch this movie believe that yes. go see it enjoy yes. it that would be our words there on our review section for spoiler free so for those of you who haven't seen it yet somehow i mean i am both <laughs> perturbed and impressed at you if you have <laughs> but if you if you've been avoiding it because you just you wait for a while to see something cool do your best with spoilers online or anything like that. Clips on YouTube for crying out loud. There's so many clips on YouTube of this movie. Like just, you know, if you're able to rent it, get some time to watch it. We highly recommend this film. Yep. Way better than it has any right to be. Definitely one of the standout sequels of all time. Oh, yeah. It 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 so surpasses the first movie. And I, I liked the first movie. I liked it a lot. But this one is just, it's it's phenomenal. It genuinely is. From a pair of idiots over here, this is actually a worthy DreamWorks film to check out. And now now we enter enter the spoiler zone. zone. Have you ever heard the spoilers of Darth Plagueis the Wise? It's not a tale you would hear for many. (laughs) Except for a few jerks out there. It's not a tale the reviewers would tell you. Yeah, it's only the jerks who are online, on YouTube and Twitter, giving away details. But you just want to watch the dang film? His spoilers were so 
pertinent and so spoilery. He brought down stop. the tomato score by 20%. <laughs> it could even stop people from getting a good rating on Rotten Tomatoes. Every time. All right, so where do we begin? I think I'd like to kind of poke into some of Jack Horner for this spoiler section. Okay. Like some details why I thought he was weak. It's like his backstory, first of all. Yeah. Like part of it is a joke. And it's funny. Again, John Mulaney makes it funny because, like, uh, one thing we didn't mention in the other section, but like the, the conscience of Jiminy Cricket. Oh, that was being awesome. like a Jimmy, um, oh, what's his name? Jimmy Stewart sounding thing. Oh, I'm your conscience, see? And, uh, well, yeah, you should be really good here. <laughs> that was kind of funny. I don't know. It came out of nowhere to use Jimmy Stewart, but I guess that was the Jimmy Jiminy thing or something. <laughs> oh, I had to like, put that together. I'm guessing, but I'm just yeah. like, it's a Jimmy Stewart sound, you know? I mean, a few moments again, like showing how Jack is just basically bad because he's just, he doesn't care. I'm like, mm. funny, but then at the same time, you think about it, you're like, no real reason to it. Because, like, there's a backstory segment, right? It's the whole thing, like, he thinks back when he's a kid, and he's just trying to get business for his, like, the plum pie business. Is like, stuck in my thumb and pulled out a plum and said, what a good boy am I? And then it pans over Pinocchio, like, hey, look, I'm a real magic boy, I'm dancing. And they're, like, just chucking money at him. <laughs> and it's just like, I don't know. Like, I'm like, I kind of get it. It would have the fact that they cut right back to him just then and him just saying little Jack Horner had no magic at all. And that's like, okay, I kind of get a thing and that's it. It's like, I'm like, you could have had like an extra 60 seconds of maybe having his parents deriding him for not being magical because he's aging, you know, show him like when he's hitting puberty or something. He doesn't look cute. They're not able to sell stuff because he's like, you know, it's not like we had a magic boy who doesn't age or something. You know what I mean? That would have at least built a more of a resentment. A I wonder if, resentment. I wonder if that's on the uh, cutting room floor somewhere. That's what I'm wondering because I'm like, his character might have been stronger. Maybe they were trying to condense the film because it was a bit too long before. Who knows? That's, well, it, it, let's see, what was it? 142 minutes so it's it's over a so two hour, hour 42 movie. oh i'm sorry what did i say 142 minutes. that's that's two that hours and 20 idiot. minutes that would have been a great cut actually uh, yeah <laughs> i'm looking at it it says <laughs> one hour 42 there's no hundred in there one h 100 yeah <laughs> that's probably what it was in 42 million minutes uh, anyways where were we yes um we were saying like con condensing Jack Horner's story or something. Oh, that's just yeah. a complaint I had because I'm like, that's all they reference. And then even later, it's a joke again. Like, well, uh, well what was your childhood like? You know, like anything that led you down this path? Like, oh, mm -hmm. nothing. Just a, a like a, a mansion, wealthy parents who loved me, everything I ever wanted. <laughs> like he doesn't have any of the stereotypes of being a bad guy of anything. Like, you know, I was a I was an avoided child. They didn't like me. I was never you know thing had we had nothing growing up it's like i was like okay this is more i can tell this is way more for comedy but development wise it still doesn't present a good character well in the i was already thrown off immediately just because like okay you ever like look at i think i said this last time 
But like if you watch the special features of some films and you'll see the uh, oh, this is what this character or this was an idea for this character and it looks different, but you can kind of tell it's supposed to be this guy or this was supposed to look like this or this was an idea here. And we threw that out and eventually they find the right character design. And to you, that's him. I felt like this should have been one of those character designs that didn't quite make it into the movie. Um, I don't know what it is. It just doesn't look right to me. And mm-hmm. I don't. So the character, just what he looks like, just kind of threw me off. It doesn't look like a real person. Yeah, I didn't really like the design myself either because, again, Trek is like the Shrek universe. They're very, uh, the characterizations are very uh, over the top and mm. extreme in many regards when they need to be. You know, there's like things of like, oh, these are more of the human folk because they, you know, they actually look like humans. But the other animals that are like more of the fairy tale people, you know, Puss in Boots is an actual cat. He is a puss in boots. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, other characters that are sometimes this one had a few more uh, kind of funnier looking humans in a way. Like one or two examples. But then like you got people like that are supposed to be a human who's like described in fairy tales as a human, but Jack Horner. So it's like, what is he supposed to look like? Well, he's a character, so he should look more like, you know, like a fairy tale thing. But yeah, I agree with you. I'm like, the design was like, I feel like this one somehow won out because the other ones just were worse, maybe, or just, I don't know, maybe some other executive decided this is the one that looks funnier to me. Yeah, it does kind of seem like that where, because the art characters are kind of eccentric just because, you know, it's a cat, wolf, dog. Goldilocks is going to be a girl with golden hair. And um, like the so, bears with her and everything. You're just like, yeah, it's got to be a little bit of imagination there. But yeah, I agree with you, though. It's just, And that's actually one thing I've heard a lot of other people talk about this movie. They don't like how he fits, like how he doesn't seem to fit in with the other design of the rest of the characters. Like they said, everyone else still kind of fits, still kind of works. Mm. His does not. Maybe it's purposeful that he's not supposed to fit. But to really further that they want him to be one of the main baddies or something, but it's still a little bothersome. It's, yeah, it's odd. Not, not enough sure. to ruin the movie for you, but just enough to be like, eh. Oh, no, not at all. And it t- there were there were a few moments where I, like, he had his funny moments. Oh, sure. Because, like, in his interactions with the uh, Jiminy Cricket character, which, mm-hmm. by the way, in the credits... <laughs> that he's listed as ethical bug <laughs> not Jiminy Cricket that's but hilarious it, it's, it's Jiminy Cricket right yeah and a Jimmy Stewart Jiminy Cricket yeah Jiminy Stewart <laughs> Jiminy Stewart um, and you're right it's like he's like well gosh don't you think you you shouldn't do this it's an evil thing and he's like yeah yeah what about it I'm an evil guy and it's like a couple of those were funny okay the one line is like uh, jeez, jeez, Jack, you're not gonna shoot a puppy, are you? Yeah, in the yeah, face. Why? In the face. Why? <laughs> that was pretty funny. <laughs> that that I, got a laugh out of me. There's a few things, like I said, a few like moments that stupid or funny, but still mm-hmm. funny. You know, like not on the clever, witty, but yeah, like oh, it's the noble phoenix. Why well, she's a symbol of rebirth. <laughs> My lord! He just like, <laughs> makes a pretty boss flamethrower, right? Mm-hmm. Got my work cut out for me. And then, like, the near the end moment, like, oh, you're an irredeemable monster! What took you so long, idiot? Mm-hmm. I'm like, funny, but again, 
contributing to weaker character overall. And it's just like funny, but I feel like you're kind of jangling the keys in my face as opposed to really trying to sell on something. (laughs) Well, and I feel like the reason it sticks out so much is because everything else in the movie just works perfectly. Like he felt like the only filler character. You know what I mean? Mm hmm. Yeah, it's like they thought of somebody. I like the idea of using Jack Horner. It's funny because we had mentioned that earlier, just saying, "Oh, you need a, you need somebody for the movie. Uh, who's a who's a fairy tale thing or a nursery rhyme we haven't taken from?" You know what would have been great though? What if they had brought Humpty Dumpty back? Hmm. I would have to leave that to my imagination because I don't know the character. Like I said, I haven't seen the movie. You know what? That's but if you think it would, if you think it would fit in, though, I'll trust your judgment. If you think he would like have been a good character to fit or bring back in for this, I'll be like, okay, maybe. They would have had to do some finagling, but it's you know, it's it's fairytale land. Huh. Interesting. What could have been, right? Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, you know, didn't ruin it for me. That and the other thing I'd say is um uh. Goldilocks's reasoning isn't bad, but at the same time, they really kind of want to lay it in, like lay it on heavy. Mm-hmm. That what you were looking for was right there all along, you know. Yeah, it's not bad. It did not ruin it again. Specify that, but it's still just like, um, eh, it's okay. Again, it feels like that figure is like this is her real desire and her wish. Well, that seems a little bit weak. <laughs> Jingle the keys of humor. Look at the humor and interaction. <laughs> And I'm like, okay, yeah, yeah, I can see you're kind of doing that here, DreamWorks, because the main focus is Puss in Boots and his party, you know. But it's like, okay, doesn't mean you can totally get away with all the stuff of the other characters. Yeah, well, it it felt like... Because there there weren't, like, a ton of characters in this movie, but it's like the characters that were there, they were all... Not pivotal, but they were all important parts of the story, right? And mm-hmm. so there was a lot kind of having to be juggled. And I think, you know, for the mo- I think they get like a, at least a B plus. I think they got an A, really, for how they did it all. But, you know, again, with the Jack thing. And then I think you're right about, because it kind of, you don't, you only really figured out towards the end, if I remember right, what Goldilocks's motive is. Mm-hmm. And so... Yeah, I think that one did suffer a little bit. Still good, but you're right. Yeah, not as bad as like Jack's motivation, in my opinion, but just kind of like, eh, it's a little weak. That's the way I'd put it, really, just a little weak. But, yeah, didn't ruin it for me. Oh, no, not at all. Still a good movie. Still a great movie. And let's see. I guess... One of the main things we really want to talk about in our spoiler section here would be the wolf. Yes. That's it was spoiled for me, but I still enjoyed it because I like the idea that I'm like, that's part of what made it so emotional and gripping and actually a little dark mm-hmm. was just, first of all, his presence. He first is in that bar with puss. He just appears. Did you notice that? Yeah, yeah, you never yeah, see yeah. him enter the dar like he just kind of sees wind whistling and you hear that tune he whistles. So great, and he just like puss looks in the mirror, looks around, like looks back up. The guy's just next to him whistling. Then they'll 
like, hey, are you Puss in Boots? I'm a big fan. I wouldn't do this normally, but could you autograph this for me? And then taps the <laughs> wanted dead or alive and taps the dead on mm. it. And I'm like, ooh, this is such a good framing. Because even then, because then he thinks, oh, it's a bounty hunter, you know? Yeah. And even then, it's like the moment when he has the news given to him that you're on your last life, which, of course, to many people who have seen the film and the trailers, even we didn't really mention that, but that is the main motivation is like, he says, I've used eight of my nine lives. I'm on my ninth one. So well, and still they, it hadn't it hadn't kicked in for him, right? Yeah, like he got the news, but he's still, you know, laughing at like death. he's still cocky. Mm-hmm. And he even just says, you're like, haha, and then he even does that. But in that moment when the wolf bests him, like knocks the saber away and then has him on the floor and even draws a bit of blood. Right. Well, in that moment like, was so important because everything that comes after in the movie is connected to that point in time. And if that moment doesn't work where you see, like you see the hair stand up on its the end, heartbeat sound, like you can hear it increase his eyes, like people's dilate. He's just like, <laughs> and I, I was so happy fear. And they actually used they used blood, like because mm-hmm. you know in a yeah. lot of cartoon movies you know they made it shown oh a little bit of his hair got cut off, but they actually went and they they animated a bit of red liquid or a bit of red blood yeah and they're like hey you bleed, like this isn't a joke, yeah, and I think again that's what really lays it on and makes it good because you're like wow this the mm-hmm. stakes are so much higher here. Mm-hmm. Not just for you know the story like it's supposed to be, but for this movie because it's like wow they really that's like one of the first signs I knew that they really did focus heavily on this movie because yeah like he 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 cuts him mm-hmm. it's not much it's just enough to keep that you know PG rating and it's just and it's again it to me it's great because it is like he like puts his paw on it and looks at it and sees red and he just that's when his like heart rate increases and thinks oh crap mm-hmm. you know like I can die this guy's gonna actually kill me oh no. And yeah, like the genuine fear for like the first time in his life. And the fact that this this wolf is giving him that fear and he keeps chasing him throughout the whole movie. Like that that whistle tune is all you have to hear and know that he's right nearby. And then, you know, makes Mm -hmm. his hair stand on end. He's like, oh, no, you know, like he's just got that like heart rate increases. He starts breathing heavy. He's just like, (laughs) like, where is he? Where is he? What? And again, it's just like a beautiful like simplified but then emphasized metaphor of like like when you realize in life like hey death is coming right mm-hmm. and you know throughout this movie it's just puss looking over his shoulder and seeing this guy coming after him coming after him coming after him and then at the end of the movie you know like he's still trying to cheat death like he's like all right well i'm not gonna do anything i'm not gonna live my life anymore so i don't die mm-hmm. And then yeah. at, at the end of the movie, then when he has to pick up the sword, right? And he mm-hmm. finally does it. Yeah. yeah. Which Phenomenal we can say in this section, that's like, it's a little bit memed now, like you were saying earlier with that whole, like <laughs> earlier with the pick it up, pick mm-hmm. it up. That is a great turnaround when Puss is on the ground and mm-hmm. the wolf tells him, you know, pick up, like, pick it up, pick it up. Like, I don't want to fight. Like, it's not fun to fight you if you're not fighting back. Mm-hmm. But then in the end, when Puss disarms him, and then he tells him, "Pick it up." <laughs> yeah, it's like come it's at gr- me. It's a great turnaround because there's that confidence he needs, like in the whole, "I'm not scared of you." Well, and the point isn't like, "Oh, I'm gonna beat you." Yeah, like he's 
yeah, you can't win. That doesn't mean you don't fight. Exactly. And even then, that was the message because the main clicker here, because everyone listening for the spoiler free or eh, spoiler section knows that's a great moment when I was like, wow, we said it earlier with we said it's our favorite one of my favorite incarnations of this personality, this this uh, figure. The wolf is the Grim Reaper. Do you know what this movie is? It just made sense when you were kind of talking. Do you know what this movie is? What's that? Pilgrim's Progress. Hmm. Because I was thinking about the map, right? And I was like, that's one of the moments where I knew, okay, I'm going to love this movie. Because the map is like, you have to go through the Forest of Forgiveness. <laughs> or something like yeah. that. The Pit where, of Despair. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> the Slough of Despond. And it changes for each person. And it's mm-hmm. just so... Such yeah. a raw metaphor. Yeah, exactly. It's just enough of in your face, you know, mm-hmm. that it is like it's meant to be like exactly what it says. It's it's a it is a metaphor. So, yeah, that's an interesting comparison for anyone out there who might not know. Pilgrim's Progress is a story. Uh, it was written by uh, what was his name again? Paul. Was, was it John Bunyan? John Bunyan, maybe. Yeah. John Bunyan, who was a, a Christian. Uh, I guess you could say apologist. In the was it 18th century, 19th century, one of those centuries, he wrote a story while he was in prison, I believe, because he at least it's based on a dream. That's what the book you know starts with. And when I slept, I dreamt I dreamed a dream. Mm. Or as I slept, he was born in 1628, 17th century. Okay, Mm. so yeah, he wrote this book called Pilgrim's Progress, and it's basically a uh, direct metaphor for the progress of the people in the christian faith following you know things like there are he goes through the slough of despond which is like a swamp basically think about it uh you know he meets a person named the interpreter who actually basically interprets many life lessons to him mm-hmm. runs into the devil and has to fight him you know because it's like you will have to fight off the temptations and sins in your life uh it's it's all these things it's it's the whole thing is a metaphor because people are named what they are different areas they go through different things like the forest sean was mentioning yeah it's an interesting comparison so if anyone doesn't know what they're like uh i'd say wikipedia google it to get an idea if you need to get a comparison of the story and see if you agree or disagree on that comparison here but yeah I, i'd agree it's yeah, a fair one i don't know if you've actually said it outright yet but the the wolf the his character is actually just death yeah I, like, I mentioned it before you, you gave your metaphor. I said he's the Grim Reaper, but he basically is the Grim Reaper. He's death. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's what made it good, too, because that moment, because he says, like, I am not a bounty hunter. You know, I am not the thing. Like, I am not this. I am death. And I don't mean that literally or like or was it metaphorically or so-and-so or po- categorically. Poetically, rhetorically. I am death straight up. Mm-hmm. And you're like, ooh. And then that's the moment when it gets on Puss again, that moment when like focuses on him and he's just like, oh, crap, you know, it's a real genuine terror again. Like and like the whole thing that, like, you know, I find the idea of nine lives you know, just to be absurd. And you, you didn't appreciate any one of them. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, Ooh, preach, that's a... Josiah, preach. I know. But see, that's a great. Not just a metaphor again, but that is a great metaphor. It's a great example and life lesson. Yeah. For those of us, we know we only have one life to live. You know, we're here and then we are gone. We are like a vapor. The Bible puts it, I know. 
And it's like, that is the message. That's when it gets really serious. Cause it's like, he's being pursued by death. Death is a, is an actual factual part of our lives too. And the fact that it's there compared in a kid's film, it's like, well, dang. Mm-hmm. And yeah, like we had said, Puss is running from it. He's scared because this is his last one. And that is a good message. Cause it's like with a figure, like a cat, again, the whole joke, cats have nine lives. If you did, and then you're on your last, it's like you banked on basically thinking you were kind of immortal when you had a finite number. You didn't appreciate any of your lives, you know, mm-hmm. and now that you're on your last one, it's death says to him, right? Like, you know, basically now that you're on your last one, I'm coming for you. So it's basically like a midlife crisis, right? Kinda. Like when, when you get over that, uh, that a uh, young, uh, feeling of invulnerability right or you have your first experience with i almost just died (laughs) and so yeah yeah and it's just a it's a pivotal moment there because that's like three quarters of the way through the movie when he admits it when he reveals that he's death and that he's basically like i'm going to kill you because you know i've been after you for a while because you've only had you've had nine lives but now you're on your last one so. Well, and I liked his motivation too, because it's like, oh, well, death doesn't, you know, normally appear to people ahead of time mm-hmm. and hunt them down. But he was like, hey, you, you have been laughing at me your entire eight lives. I'm going to yeah. take something for myself and you will fear me. Exactly. And in that moment, I think that's a great thing is that it's mainly focused on the fear of him because that's in the first moment when he when he cuts him and then he does that he sniffs the blood and he goes "Ah, fear Mm -hmm. right like it's so tantalizing or something like that you know and it's that moment of like you actually now yeah like you 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 skated by on all this didn't appreciate any life you had like either any of your lives and now that it's like now that you're sitting here feeling like oh no yeah you feel it now don't you it's kind of like the person, like you said, the great way of saying he was laughing at death. Now death is like, I'm here now. You want to laugh at my face now? Yeah, well, and, and Time the, to cash the problem in. wasn't that he was like a daring person and did all yeah. this crazy stuff. The problem was he was doing it without a genuine acknowledgement of death, right? Mm-hmm. Because exactly. he's still supposed to pick up the sword. And when death has power over him, it's when he threw the sword away and said, okay, I'm not going to do that anymore. But when you he, when he integrated that reality of death into himself and picked up the sword, right? He picked up the challenge and adventure of life with an understanding of death. That's when death walks away. Yeah. In fact, that was a great moment because he does the exact same kind of like growl at him right in his face. And when Puss doesn't flinch and when he looks in his eyes and sees that he has made peace with this and that he no longer fears it. Mm-hmm. Because he's like, I'm ready to live this life as if, because it, as it's my last, mm-hmm. right? He says, I am ready, and I am ready to face you, like when you come for me. So if this is my time, you know, I'm not scared anymore. You are an absolute. I accept that. Which I will admit, there's also something really funny because the wolf like does that, and then he like, like he looks away and he yells something in Spanish. Like out of like, like in a moment of kind of funny because he's been so calm and like seeing in a moment when he actually goes like, like out of anger. (laughs) What he said, apparently I've heard people translate with something like, this is why you don't play with your food. Oh, really? Yeah. I think he said something along the lines of like, this is why I don't play with my food. That's funny. (laughs) But but then he looks back like he said, just like, 
he he sheathes his weapon and is like, live your life, Puss in Boots. Mm. Enjoy it. Because he's like, in a way, he's like, you've learned your lesson. Okay. But like, it, you are changed. Good. It was, it was such a great... Uh, and then I again, don't... like, the whole thing of, like, uh, I, I don't want to interrupt. I'm sorry. Just no, saying. Go ahead, he go he ahead. looks back, right? And they're like, we will meet again. And he's yeah. just like, see, sí, hasta la muerte. Like, after I die or something like that. <laughs> or, like, when I die. Like, mm-hmm. That acceptance again. It's almost like it was a test to say, we will meet again and see if he's scared. But, you know, Post again just is like, yep, I'll see you when you get here. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> hasta mañana, see you tomorrow, and then hasta luego, muerte. see you later. And he said, see you in death, I guess, basically. Yep. Hasta la muerte. And it's like, ooh, that's so good. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, it's just, that's the main lesson. Yeah, phenomenal. I I wonder, I would like to hear, like, someone's interpretation of it with, like, because for me, like, it, like, art's going to mean different things to different people. And for me, it really, really hit me, like, at my level of faith because I am a Christian. And so I'm almost taking a, uh, not not anything from, like, in the movie, but, like, what's in the movie meshing with my own, like, religious beliefs and my faith of what, death is and it is inevitable but then there's something after and because of that you have to go into life a certain way knowing that you are going to die and it was just really interesting to see how they just took this pure metaphor and put put characters to it and then you're just really what they're doing is they're explaining life right and mm-hmm. these characters are these things and then they're they're telling you how they play off each other. And it was just fantastic. Yeah. Again, just to reiterate from earlier points, it was, it's what made it so good to people. Just the fact that they really are teaching this in, in, in a Puss in Boots film of all things, you know, something that's technically in the Shrek series. Yeah. <laughs> that you get this serious, great, like if this was a live action film with like no Shrek connection, but it was just like a fairy tale, like someone made a fairy tale style. Maybe even if it was darker, but the whole point, if this was just like uh, different characters with still the same element of like this guy's being chased, bounty hunters, he meets the physical manifestation of death or something and he learns his thing there. You would be like, that's an interesting story. Like if it was like a low budget film, you'd be like, good job on that filmmaker. It's kind of a, you know, a little bit like a, I'm trying to think of the word here, but you know what I mean, right? People would acknowledge it. They might not say it's a masterpiece again, but they'd be like, this is um, it's not bad. It's like, you know, interesting story. Interesting, you know, taking a real thing and looking at it like this way. Mm. So the fact that, again, it's like in this animated Puss in Boots film kind of amplifies it almost. Because it's like, this is something you could have a discussion with about your kids or with your kids when they see it. Yeah. Because yeah. it is, it kind of brings us to the question of like, you know, what's the thing? You have to kind of be like, you know, well, we all die one day and... <laughs> You know, it's an it's a part of life, in fact. So it is a real thing of like live your life as as if it's your last because it is. It's it's really great, which I, you've talked about this quite a bit because you're a huge animation nerd. Mm-hmm. Um, but I love things like that, where if you're doing something in animation or like fantasy or sci fi, what's great about it is you can tell stories in a different way, right? Like, you can have a character that is just death, a wolf, like, chasing this cat. And you can, like, in Star Trek, you know, 
this alien has these incredible powers. And now you're like, okay, well, essentially there is how do you handle power when you have it? And you can tell stories from a different angle, but they're all essentially true stories. Like they're not, they're not historical, but they're true. Mm-hmm. And you can animate a giant tree. Yeah. <laughs> you can animate a giant tree monster. Yes, yes. I mean, they called him some kind of giant. I think he was like the name of the town giant is what they said, you know, but mm. By great the way, opening though still. Did you notice when you watched, I, I did not notice my first time watching it, but I saw someone mention it in a YouTube clip later on. But when they're in the star and then the uh, the energy is like flowing up around them, there's like this wall mm-hmm. and the uh, some of the characters kind of get sucked out and they can't pull themselves back in. And then death just casually walks, walks in, walks through it. Yeah. While whistling. Just mm-hmm. yeah. There's also a lot of things about this movie that I've learned. Like they hit a lot of good details. So some of them I did here just for fun. I pulled up a. Uh, imdb and went to the trivia section Mm. and it says like a um the wolf can be seen watching puss fight the giant it's just way in the background so he was there to see him die on his eighth life that's funny so when he tells him later when he says like i've been watching you and i've seen you through all your like all your deaths i've watched every one of your deaths like he can be seen in the alley when he like when the bell lands on him in the end of the fight with a giant uh the title cards or the cards that appear when when the doctor goes how many times have you died and it says like one two three if you look at the corners of all the uh like those title cards it's little drawings of the wolf with his blades crossed oh really yes (laughs) that one was shown to me earlier and i went that's a cool detail uh, when Puss fights the uh, the giant, the bell rings eight times, signifying his eighth life. <clears throat> when the wolf first approaches him in the bar, he has he's on his ninth cup and, or ninth glass of milk, and there's eight empty glasses sitting next to him. I did notice that. So they put a lot of like things like that. And I, I love things like that in movies when they really have fun with putting things in, hiding them in or putting them like, you know, look like if you don't if you miss it the first time, you got to look closer, you miss it. Mm-hmm. Things like that made it a lot better again for an animated film and just a, a film in general. But yeah, so that's just little things I noticed as well. And I heard about. So that's just makes it really cool because then it, it actually still adds again. They were telling the truth when he tells them. Like, I've seen all your deaths. And he'd be like, well, I didn't see you watching that. I guess he was there. But then they'd be like, actually, if you look in this corner here, he's right there. You know, like, so technically he was. When you uh, said that, I went to the trivia section on IMBD. Or IMBD? Yeah, I'm DB. You are BD? What? <laughs> yeah. Oh. Um, oh, no. But the first one on there is, during the montage where Big Jack Horner assembles his baker's dozen, the horses pulling their carriage were actually unicorns whose horns were cut off. <laughs> I mean, I yeah, didn't notice I mean, that it makes, before. I guess it makes sense when you think about he's shooting unicorn horns right. in the crossbow. So I'm like, where did you get them? Oh, I guess he took unicorns and sawed their horns off. Yeah. Oh, that's awful. Like, oh, good gracious. I, I didn't notice that. I'm going to have to watch this movie again. I know. Yeah. I'm like, I'm going to wait when it comes on Blu-ray. 
Mm-hmm. I'm, this is one of those things again where we said it, we talk about it. I'm gonna say it again. It's it's a great movie. I will definitely be buying this film for my collection. Mm-hmm. You know, because I'm like, oh, I definitely would. I I'd even probably. It's in the Shrek universe. I might actually try to get my my family to watch it because I'll just be like, you guys should watch this. This is really interesting and a really good film. I feel like they would love it. I hope so, but I I would think so. But yeah, it's a it's a great movie. A lot of details like that and. Besides a few weaker elements of like Jack Horner and Goldilocks, they're still great characters. They're still played really well. Everything about this movie basically does check off all those boxes, like we said, and it's still like it's a good film. Can't yeah. take that away from and, me. It's a good film. And we we've talked about the uh, the depth of the movie a lot, but it's actually very funny. Oh, it's very funny. Like we said, there's a lot of moments where John Mulaney sells it as just John Mulaney. And his interactions with ethical bug, and uh, I gotta I love that. I gotta be honest, I love that too. Just they refer to him as ethical bug. Ethical bug. Digs at Disney right there, but it's still hilarious. Mm. <laughs> but yeah, uh, yeah. I was gonna say so. The moments like that are funny. There are other jokes that really do work well. They're just stupid, but they are hilarious. Yeah. Everything about this movie, it's got the right mix of, like, depth and drama to humor to, you know, an engaging story overall. And and overall, I think a main thing about it that really sets it apart, like you had said, Sean, was bringing it up the comparison to, like, something like Pilgrim's Progress. I think the main gist of it that we could say to summarize this movie overall is that the whole thing is just a metaphor and chock full of metaphors. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of the adults will see it and get it. The kids, you know, depending on how smart or clever they are, sometimes you just watch a thing. If they're younger, you know, you don't care about that. You're just watching the cool visuals and the characters, the jokes, the funny moments, the humor, the physical humor, usually. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you might be like those kind of older preteens to teens even who watch this. It's you you might get it. And for those who old enough in that preteen range might be the ones guessing and thinking and asking about it. And that's what sets it apart, in my mind. It's a movie that's just going to get better the more life experience you have, I think. Mm-hmm. And uh, But kids are also going to love it, you know? Well, And it's, yeah. it, it, it reminds me of, um, because it is kind of a darker movie at times, and it's dealing with dark, heavy stuff. And it's nice to see that in kids' movies again. Yeah. I think DreamWorks was uh, that's why I mentioned them before. They were pretty good about trying to put a little darker things in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, before them, I would argue Don Bluth was a filmmaker who really was like, I think he was even quoted or like, uh, not direct quote, you know, like um, attributed. It's attributed to him that it was said like it's okay to terrify the kids as long as there is a good ending, because the world is a scary and dark place. Mm-hmm. Well, there is there handle. is fear, but you have to have it in there. Like he said, it's important to teach him early because like without, you know, traumatizing, but sometimes the early movies of the 80s and stuff are traumatizing. But that's a different topic. Yeah, well, and I honestly think like a lot of movies nowadays meant for kids, like they're not they don't lighten them up so much for the kids. They do it for the parents because the parents are worried about it. Um mm-hmm. Like it, we, me and you watched a lot of stuff as like it, all of y'all at home. Do you 
if you remember about like a lot of the stuff you watched as a kid, are you like, oh, this one traumatized me for life, or are you you just like, yeah, that was a that was a great movie. I I find it. I find it hard to remember anything where I'm like, oh, watching this traumatized me. You know, if it's something where you're like watching something super gory, like R-rated as a kid, then yeah. But any like animation movies that just you just genuinely couldn't handle? Or is it more your parents thinking, oh, well, what's this going to do? I don't know. There's my rant. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> I see. He's yes. like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, okay. I'm glad you think that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, good job, buddy. Good job. No. Hey, whatever. <laughs> no. <laughs> Sorry, I was looking at the time for a second. Well, yeah, honestly, it's a great film. You all should check it out if you haven't already. Definitely watch it. I can't really stress that enough. Mm-hmm. we've said it too many times me and sean will say it again it's like you know you've already recommended this film seven times it's like and i'll say it again mm-hmm. i feel like that's gonna be a meme already if it isn't just be like could we not talk about you know puss in boots the last wish here like i'll be damned if i don't if you see us like slide a dvd across the floor to you in a random <laughs> walmart and then you just look over at us on black hoodie pick it up pick it up pick it up <laughs> That would be a fantastic meme format. Just mm. saying, just someone sliding something to purchase, be like, pick it up. Oh, it is. Pick I, it I, up. I saw one that was hilarious. It was like, um, when you're playing with your kid on Fortnite, and he's like, "Wow, Dad, you're trash," <laughs> and then it animates the wolf in just sliding over a Call of Duty, saying, <laughs> "Pick it up." Or for me, it, it would be like sliding over a GameCube controller. <laughs> Smash Bros. Mm. Pick it up. Pick it up. Pick it up. Melee is so good. You yes. can't do better yes. than that. And you see, back to that point before, or not that point, but what you were saying before that. DreamWorks again, giving us memes. Yep. So, In a good way. Again, still checks off all the boxes. What can you say? You <laughs> so, can yeah. do all of it at once. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, and it's a, again, just great film. Great characters overall great animation fantastic story probably again definitely on my top favorite incarnations of death and the grim reaper so mm-hmm. i'm like it's just it's good it's like anything else i can say about it to summarize again it's just it's good mm-hmm. Perito. Perito. oh you know what we forgot to mention that scene I, yeah, I was... this, we should go ahead and just say that real quick. I forgot, but yeah, that scene was another one that really kind of cemented it with Perito was kind of like the goofy, you know, again, moments really made me laugh, especially when he was talking so happily. He was like, oh, they just call me whatever. Like, they call me this, 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 bleep for brains. And they actually just put the sensor <laughs> beep in the movie. I laughed so much. I was like, did they honestly just do that? Well, and when they were doing the... Uh... Like, and they made it for brains you know all this stuff but you know i just don't think i ever had a name and they're just like and they even look at him like oh are you okay what do you remember the uh when uh, goldilocks and the baby bear are fighting and then he's like oh great it's my turn oh yeah that and i forgot and they're all looking at him like oh like their mouths are open eyes big 
Yep. <laughs> that was just yeah. I was like, oh wow. It was it was funny, and while he's like comic relief, there is that moment when he it's kind of like it's not even throwaway because it is mentioned. He goes like, I really want to be a therapy dog. Want to rub my belly? And it's like you know a little joke like earlier, like oh, no no no. Oh yeah. And then yeah. like they're like I want to be a therapy dog. Then when Puss runs away like the second time, and he has mm-hmm. a genuine like <laughs> he even sits there, and it's actually he's having a panic attack. He's having a panic attack, and I'm like I actually heard some people. One reviewer even said it made them tear up because they suffer from anxiety and panic attacks. Mm-hmm. And they said the fact that it was actually kind of a correct one and the reason there are therapy dogs and, and therapy animals. You know, they said in that moment, that's what many people do with their dogs is a very common therapy animal. When when he runs up to him, you know, like and he doesn't really say anything. He just puts his head on his belly and just yep. sits there till he's till it's over. And he just kind of puts his, you know, his paw on his head like and calm. I was and it was just like thinking... it's a genuinely touching moment. Oh yeah, no, that that was awesome. Like, because and... he's just this like purely good thing. Mm-hmm. No animosity in him, no ulterior motive. He's just good. Yeah, he's always trying to be good, and like I said, he's just he's happy to be around mm-hmm. anyone. Like a dog again, the stereotype thing there, you know, like dogs are pretty much like, oh, cool, a person. I love you. I just met you, but I love you. Well, he's the... talking about all the time, like, you know, I never had a family, but then he's like, maybe you guys could be like, and they're like, no, no, we're not a family. We're just, you're just here with us. But he's still just like, yeah, I'm still here with you guys. This is still better than anything I've had. So when it's in a <laughs> moment of genuinely like, you know, seeing him in distress and a panic attack and, and genuinely like just, you know, not functioning, mm-hmm. he just knows when to shut up and be there with him. Mm-hmm. And to just and wants to be there with him, wants to help him. And I'm like, it is a touching moment, and it kind of is like it can really hit you, like, ooh, my heart. The one that got me was um, he was talking about his like backstory, and he was like, yeah. And the end of it is like, like he got thrown into a river, I think, tied up in a sock. Yeah, because he's like, but. I chewed it, and look, see, I'm still wearing it. Yeah, and you're like, oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah, you're just like, and then Vince, like, <laughs> he's they're looking wearing at him it. like, <laughs> like eyes huge, mouth open, like, uh. Yeah, I was like, oh no. <laughs> so it's kind of, it, yeah, it's just like, oh my goodness. Which again, it's just like a huge metaphor. Mm-hmm. Like, that was like a terrible thing, and he's using it to keep himself warm. Yeah, I think, because his is a big moment through the forest, too. Mm-hmm. Which is also funny, again, another gag with, like, the whole, the black void of the forest, where it's, like, just a wall of black. Mm-hmm. And he's just like, well, let's test it, kicks Perito in. <laughs> Perito, are you dead? You know? It, but it's like, when Perito grabs the map, it's like, we go through the rolling hills of laughter, and then we go through <laughs> the mm. meadow of calm, and then we just take a little jaunt through the, you know, the flowers of this... And even then, like, it's, again, it's metaphors. He's just one who knows he's got his one life, but he doesn't really care because he just wants to be with the people. He wants to be around meaningful relationships and make the most of it. Well, and he, like, he focuses on the important stuff. Like, he arguably has mm -hmm. the worst backstory out of anyone there. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And it's like he's still making his life, you know, he's trying to find the good in it, accepting what he went through. And almost in a way, almost stupidly being like not realizing how much it was, but kind of knowing anyway, but still like, you know, I look for the like, you know, it's good. You just got to look for it. 
And well, like I going through like, the flower patch, they're being like the vines or something, right? He's like, all you got to do is sometimes you got to slow down and stop and smell the flowers. Mm-hmm. And he's, again, it's the metaphors. They're everywhere in this movie. Well, and I think the moment, which you mentioned before, that makes him not just a joke character is that like, he's not like, oh, bad things happen, but I don't care, la, 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 la. Like he sits there with his friend going through a panic attack and he's just there. And it's like, oh, he's not just like some silly thing that isn't like real or doesn't matter. You know, he's a necessary part. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Watch the movie, people. <laughs> Honestly, yeah. If you haven't and you listen to the spoiler section, we warned you ahead of time many times, but you still gotta watch the movie. <laughs> I just <laughs> I just sorry. I've got the IMD page pulled up, and it's playing the trailer in the background. Yeah. And it was the death where it's like, he looks up, and he's like, is there any shellfish in this? And his face <laughs> is just huge. Yeah. Sorry. Some of the deaths were funny, too, you know? Like, yeah. How many times have you died? Like, one, this thing, you know, whatever. Two, no, 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 I don't need a spotter. Look. Watch. Yeah. You know, I tell you, a cat always lands on his feet. Watch. You know. Yeah. Again, I'm, I'm very like, funny, kind of funny. Movie as well. Yeah, very witty and just like um, it was, it was great time overall. So again, now that we've actually said that part that we wanted, yeah, it just it's a fantastic film. If people, since people out there want. Object like objective and quantifiable numbers and stuff. I would give it like a nine out of ten, possibly just at my highest because it's not like some masterpiece. I really saved my ten out of tens for you know things that are like completely life changing or like you know this film will be remembered in the annals of history for centuries. I'd I'm like this film's definitely good, but I'd say like it's just it's great even. It absolutely. I think I can. I think I can confidently say it belongs in my top five animated movies mm-hmm. I, me. I definitely say for me i don't know where i place stuff i've never made like huge definitive lists you, you've you've but seen if I did, a lot it more would, than it would I be have, in though. top 10 definitely possibly mm-hmm. again even top five i'd probably agree with you on that you know what i might even agree with you on that i'd probably say top five it would it would edge out something but it'd definitely be in the top five there and again like a main thing i'd like to point out and that a lot of people have excuse me, is that it's way better than it has any right to be. Yeah, it does not deserve to be this good. And again, like we said, it's a sequel of all things. A sequel to a sequel. A sequel to a spinoff. Which was a spinoff, yeah. A sequel to a spinoff <laughs> of a larger popular series. And yeah, it's just like, it's one of those sequels that just hits different. Hits harder than it should, and it's better than it should be. Mm. <laughs> In just about every aspect. So that's our idiotic take on this movie. It's great. Yep. Top five of all time animated films. I'm definitely going to buy it when it releases on physical media. And I will be happy to give it a spot in my collection. And I will watch it and rewatch it over the years. First of all, I'll get my family to watch it. So that'll be a hassle. Yeah, it's a very rewatchable film, too, I think. Oh, definitely. Whatever that means. I mean, it's kind of in the name, but there you know. Yeah. <laughs> and with that, that's Anyways. our review on Puss in Boots, The Last Wish. Yep. It's a fantastic film. 
worthy of the attention and praise it got, worthy of its tomato, Rotten Tomato score and audience reviews. It's just is great. Way better than it had any right to be and deserving of top animated films of all time. Mm-hmm. And with that, we will draw the curtain on this episode right here of our review on this film. We hope you enjoyed. We hope you maybe learned a few things if you hadn't, maybe given you a light of watching the film or maybe different things you didn't notice before if you did watch it, listening to the spoiler section here. Uh, we hope you enjoyed the film as much as us. You know, please, if you want to point out things, agree with us, disagree maybe, or point out things that we might have not talked about, we have an email in our description. Please use it. We'll happily read that over and, and listen to you guys' comments and thoughts on that. Yeah, and... there there really is a lot more to talk about. Like, we didn't even mention the relationship between Puss and uh, Kitty Softpaws. That's the whole, like, main plot point. <laughs> but, yeah. Yeah, it is there. It's there. It's there. It watch, exists. Watch the movie. Yeah, you'll know. <laughs> or by now in this section, hopefully you already know. And with that right there. We'll say this has been our review on Puss and Boots, The Last Wish. This has been an episode of Videotic. My name is Joe. My name is still Sean. And we will see y'all later. Hasta luego. Hasta luego. <laughs>